The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Hello. We heard that you could hear us on the video. This is a learning thing. This is the stream team. Palm Sunday. I want to repeat what I read in the beginning. Palm Sunday, because it's being overtaken by the shadow of this pandemic. Easter is getting changed by moment by moment. Literally planning Easter service in my brain and out loud during some of that worship time. It's worth reminding ourselves that Jesus came not first to save us. If he came to save us first, he would have come down as an adult and gone right to the cross in that moment and then died and then risen. But he didn't. He came not to save us first, but to be with us. So today I want to talk about how we can, during this time, practice what it means to be with others well. And then how do we die well? Because that's what Jesus came to teach us to do. He didn't just die so that we could, could live forever. He died to teach us how we can die well. And then how do we live in light of the fact that we have hope and eternity forever? These are three principles that I want to walk through today. And some of them are just going to be walking through things and stories that many of you may have known if you grew up in the church. So I'm just going to mention the stories and then we'll read scripture in the end. But first, how to be with others. It's something that I've been pondering and processing because as many of you know, I love being around people for short periods of time. But when I get around a lot of people for a lot of time, I begin to unravel. And this week, I had one of those unraveling moments where I was sitting at my desk and the kids kept barging in and the schoolwork wasn't going well. And we've got another family that's been with us since December, since they moved here pre-pandemic, living with us uh, as they're re-establishing re their life from the West Coast to the East Coast. And I just had a moment at my desk where I, I felt like something just snapped in my brain. And I stopped being able to think and talk and interact with people. I just stared at my computer and up to this point, I had three words written down for what I wanted to talk about this morning. Three words. And I just stared at those three words. I just stared at them and stared at them and stared at them. And the words were simple. It just said, Jesus, breakthrough, difficult. And that's the words that led me to this journey. To ponder what type of person God has called us and equipped us to be. And the way that Jesus came to be with us. And the way that Jesus came to be with you and I. He didn't come just to be a far-off idea. Jesus is the God in the flesh. He's not the God just of the clouds. He's not the God of some faraway energy, feeling, or vibe. He's the God who came in the flesh, the God who came in human history to enter in and show us how to live. These are some of my favorite stories. As I was pondering and thinking, how, how can I be with others right now? I, I was thinking of Jesus with the woman at the well, the woman who had had multiple partners. Jesus pointed her toward the truth with grace. Right now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but my patience wick is, has been shorter than it has been in other times. Usually when I recharge, my patience wick can grow a little bit, but under this current situation where there's a lot of people around and there's a lot of noise and a lot of things that aren't working well, all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing that my patience wick is not growing very long before somebody fizzles it out and I begin to get upset again. Jesus constantly, constantly was pointing people toward the truth, but with grace and kindness. I've had to remind myself of this many, many times this week. He wasn't just truth like a hammer. He was always truth with grace. 
He could have said a lot of things to this woman who had multiple partners, but he didn't. He said, I want you to go tell people about me. Tell people that there is living water available to them. Another story that I was meditating on this week was the woman caught in adultery from John chapter 8. How does Jesus become in relationship with others? What type of person is he? He's someone who protects and loves and encourages. Right now we have an opportunity to protect and to love and to encourage. Regardless of how you're feeling about this pandemic and the way that it's being talked about in the news, we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus to say, how am I protecting those around me? What steps am I taking to make sure that I'm going to protect and love my neighbors, the people who I'm ordering food from, the people who are delivering my Amazon packages? How many of us are setting out hand sanitizer for others? How many of us are loving people in the midst of the difficulties? The woman caught in adultery, it's, it's one of the most famous stories because according to Jewish law at the time, she should have been stoned to death. And she was thrown before Jesus. No mention of the man, but just the woman was thrown before Jesus. And in that moment, they're trying to trap Jesus. And he leans down and writes something in the sand. And he says, whoever does not have a sin, cast the first stone. Right now, there's a lot of opportunity for us to cast stones at others. Whether you're someone who is all about being social distanced and other people are not social distanced, or maybe you're the type of person who you're, you don't care about this. You're like, I don't need to social distance. And maybe for you, maybe for you, you're thinking, this whole thing is a, is a big hogwash. We just need to get back there and get out to work. How about instead of being us-centered, we say, what can I do to protect and love and encourage? What would it look like for me if I reach down in the midst of people's pain, regardless of what we believe about this thing, because there's going to be spins, there's going to be aspects of this that we're not going to know the truth on. God knows the truth about it. But what if instead of saying what's real, what's not real, what do I want to do, what's best for me, what if we say what's, what's best for me to love others? How can I reach down my hand to protect those who are vulnerable? Because we do know for sure, statistically for sure, that there are vulnerable people, that people with pre-existing conditions, that people that are more advanced in years, they're more vulnerable to this disease than others. So what would it look like if we reached out our hand to them? What would it look like if we stood up to protect and love them or to protect those who are children who have high risk or, or middle-aged adults who are high risk? Another story that I love is the one of Peter in the storm. Peter walks on the water. Many of you have seen these pictures where he takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts them on the waves and the wind, and he begins to fear. And we, we know this because a bajillion sermons have been preached about this. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If you put your eyes on your problems, then, then you're going to sink down and die. While that is true, I, I don't know that that's the purpose. I think the purpose is to, to show us that all of us do take our hands uh, and our eyes off of Jesus from time to time. The interesting thing is, is that we would keep going back to Jesus, that we would stop we would stop saying, I'm going to do this on my own. We would stop resting in our fears, but instead, time and time again, it's not if you take your eyes off of Jesus. And as a pastor, my hope and prayer is that we would always be 100%, 110% eyes on Jesus, heart on Jesus. But you know what happens when news screams at you? Do you know what happens when there's people living in your house? Do you know what happens when e-learning breaks down and Edsby bashes into your mind? You lose yourself in this. So instead of saying, well, be like Peter and always grab, to, and grab onto Jesus and hold on to him forever. I'm going to be like Peter and I'm going to fail. 
And I want you to know that as a pastor who fails often, my, my biggest desire is not to have a church of people who appear to be following Jesus perfectly. My biggest desire is to have a church full of people who when they begin to sink, their first reaction is to reach for Jesus. If you want to live with others well, if you want to do what Jesus did, be the type of person who reaches out to Jesus and then reaches for your friend that's next to you, reaches for your neighbor. The next thing Jesus did often is that he was eternally minded. That moment when he's on the cross dying, even in that moment, He's thinking about the eternal destiny of the thief on the cross next to him. The thief on the cross is making a proclamation of faith in his own way. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is always pointing us toward the future. Jesus is not just being gracious and true and reaching out to us just for the present. He's always doing it to bring us forward into an eternally minded life. I've said this often at the chapel The goal of marriages, for example, is not to have the best marriage and pour into your spouse for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. The goal and one of the things that we should do as husbands and wives or fathers or mothers or friends or neighbors is to say, how can I love this person today? How can I pour into this person today? How can I reach out a hand and protect and love this person today so that 500 years from now, when we're sitting at a cafe in the new Jerusalem, they will come up and say, remember that time you did this? Thank you. That's what Jesus was constantly doing, pointing toward future realities. So that, that's a little bit of how to be with others, but how do, we, how do we die well? It's a question that I've been pondering. I've been having quite a few conversations with my kids as we're trying to do this podcast thing and having technical difficulties, but having fun doing it. This idea of death has come up a lot because it's in the news every day. Here's how many people have it. Here's how many people have died in your area. And that number is is going to go up because it always will go up. Death will always increase in this life. The wages of sin is death. So how do you die well? And I think a lot of that comes on how, how do we live well? And by living well, I mean how do we live with the correct set of lenses on our life so that when we come to the end, whether it's today, a week from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, 50, 70, 80 years from now, whatever the end is for you, how do you live now in such a way that when you die, you can die well? You can breathe your last knowing with confidence that you've done what you were called to do. Well, I think Jesus points us to a lot of aspects of living well, but the one that stood out to me was is Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you want to know how to live well, It begins with renewing your mind, renewing your mind and being transformed into the likeness of who God is. If you have time to study the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapters 8 and then Romans chapter 12, they're these big pinnacle chapters in the book, sort of like a spike in the volume of theology and amazing truths about who God is and who we are in light of what he's done. But if you want to live well, you have to have a renewed mind, a mind that is set on who God is, a mind that is not set on the the temporary pains and the temporary problems of today, but a mind that can take those things, these temporary issues, and put them in the lens of eternity. We have, all of us, gifts. We have aspects in our life that we are all uniquely gifted in. If you want to live well, you have to figure out what your calling is. And right now, I'm guessing, if you're anything like many people that I've talked with, you're wondering, man, we've been doing life this same way for so long. And now we're, we've just upended it all. 
we're doing live streaming services. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have changed in the way that you're doing your job. Some of you who have never worked from home are working from home for the first time. Some of you who work out in public still are doing it, but with a, a renewed sense of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. How can I best love those around me? Some of you know that you've been living in a calling that is not your own. Maybe you've been living in the, under the calling of what your parents wanted you to do. Maybe you've just followed the track that they said was good and you thought it was good and now you're 39 years old or 40 years old or 20 years old and you're thinking, is this even who I am? So if you want to live well, it has to begin with you having your mind renewed, being transformed and to do what God has called you to do. Figure out what your gifts are. Go through Romans 12. Each of us have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So let's use them. Whatever your gifting is, exercise that gifting. You don't have to figure out all the details right now. But I know that some of us have been wondering, am I doing what God wants me to do? That has to begin with you saying, God, here's what I think I'm good at. And then you just go and do it. And right now it may look a little bit different because of the situation we're in. But if you teach kids before and right now you find yourself stuck at home, come up with something to teach kids about Jesus that you can post onto your Facebook, that we could post onto the chapel's Facebook. If you love praying for people and you're like, I'm gifted in prayer, but I don't know what to do, then, then reach out to me and say, hey, I'd love to be a part of the Zoom prayer meetings where I'll be there every morning. You teach me how to organize and log in and we'll get these prayer meetings going. Whatever your gifting is, it's going to be more than how many things did you sell at your office. It's going to be more than how many lessons, lesson plans did you, did you do. It's going to be more than how much software did you develop and how much fireworks you set off at Disney, than how much of whatever your job is. What we have to do is say, God, what have you gifted me to do? And when you begin to live in that unique calling, when you begin to, to figure that out, then you're going to find out you're going to be living in a way that is going to be more fulfilling. You're going to be living in a way that's speaking to your heart and your soul. Another way to figure out if you don't know what your calling is, look at your recurrent interests. What are you reading about? What are you investigating? What do you return to again and again and again? And then see how these components, your gifts, the needs around you in the community, and then your recurring interests, see how they fit into your missional desire. And maybe you don't know what that even means yet. It, a missional desire is this. What are you doing on mission for God to make disciples of people who don't yet know Jesus? There's this really interesting verse that it's, it's talking about elders here. And it says this, the saying is trustworthy in 1 Timothy 3.1. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, this isn't a little mini sermonette about elders or overseers in this passage. But it's a word that jumped out to me for the first time this week. It, it had never, I'd never spent time meditating on it. Paul is telling Timothy, if anyone aspires, if anyone wants to be an overseer, it's a noble task. The Bible is not against our wants. The Bible wants to realign our wants to want the right things. The, the whole premise of the Bible is that we would not simply want to not sin. It's that we would want God so much that our desire for sin would decrease and decrease and decrease. And the same is true of your calling. You may wonder, what is my calling? And your calling may change over your life. But what is the desire that God has put in your heart? Some of you already know this. I'm going through this message and you're already thinking, I already know what God has called me to do. I already know and I'm, I'm gifted in this capacity and I know what he's called me to do. I keep looking at it. I keep wanting to do it, but I haven't taken the step yet. Right now, for the first time in church ministry, there is a blank chalkboard in front of us. 
we can redefine the way that we're doing programs because we keep the message of the gospel the same. Programs will change as the currents and the seasons change, but the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ stays the same. And if your missional desire to make disciples of Jesus, if it's something that you're desiring, I want to encourage you that right now is the time to ask God, to put away all these things. One of the aspects of, of this pandemic that's driving me crazy with myself is that it's so easy to sit down and zone out. I haven't succumbed to watching this show that you guys are watching about tiger lilies or whatever it is. I, I, I probably will watch it, but I'm just watching Jim Carrey movies and Star Trek reruns. I'm like, Lord, what am I doing? I've got this time, these opportunities. What am I doing? It doesn't mean that we don't relax, but it means that we can take this moment to say, Lord, I want to live well for you. I want to live well in who you've created me to be. Because you're more than just what your job says. Even though our culture would lie to you and have it otherwise. Even though we're taught in this culture to introduce yourself and say, Hi, I'm Ryan, and hi, I'm so-and-so. And the first question out of our mouths is so often, What do you do? Instead of that, maybe the question is, Who are you? Instead of that, what has God called you to do? Maybe that should be the new moniker when we're talking to one another at the chapel because God will move and weave us down. And maybe instead of meeting someone new at a church gathering and saying, hi, I'm so-and-so, what do you do? Maybe we say, hey, what has God called you to do this past week? And maybe that's how we begin to encourage each other. We can do that in the comments. We can do that online. We can do that in email and text. What has God called you to do this week? How has God helped you this past week get through this whole mess of school if you have kids? I want to know. That's for me. How has God called some of you, couples who have retired, how has God called some of you to minister to your neighborhoods during this season? I want to hear that because that will encourage me. And then, of course, all of this must be rooted in love. If you want to know what your calling is in God, it's, it's to love others well to love others, to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron, to love one another, to lay down our lives for one another like Jesus laid down his life for us. When you begin to discern your calling through some of this lens, how to live well, all of a sudden dying becomes very easy. Dying becomes something where we can turn our hope heavenward. And this is where I just want to read through scriptures because these scriptures teach us about the hope of heaven that we have. The, the idea that in heaven we have eternal life. We don't have to live in the fear that this body will die because the reality is this body will die. So I want to read these scriptures and let them wash over us. Some are familiar, some might be new to you. For God so loved the world, the entire world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We will all perish in this mortal body unless the second coming of Christ happens. But our being does not perish. We go from this life to the next. Thessalonians 4.14 For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. Death is the paycheck that we get when sin is in our life. But the free gift of God is eternal life. The free gift of God is eternal life. It is free. All we do is receive it. And that life is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must be put, must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to know how to die well, it begins with living your calling now with eyes set toward the hope that we have in heaven. If you want to know how to be with others well, read the Gospels this week. We have time. All of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, any one of those four books you can read in about two hours at conversation speed. Two hours. That's one movie. That's, that's four shows divvied up. And you could read an account of the living God, Jesus Christ, who, who lived for you, who died for you, and who rose again to give you a hope of eternity. I pray, I pray that this week, you would find time to do that. I pray that you would lock yourself, if you have to, in the bathroom with your Bible instead of your phones. I pray that this week you would have some peace. Lord, I'm going to pray that kids would be able to press into school in an obedient manner, that every online thing would work well for the parents that want to sit down on your word. Let's, let's be a type of people who don't just walk around spouting Christian truths, but instead say, what does it look like to be with others well? Who instead say, how can I live with eternity in mind? Who instead say, how can I lay down my life for others as Jesus laid it down for me? There's a lot to reflect on. And, and I want us to, to spend a moment in prayer because some of us have not been living our calling. Some of us know that we've just been settling. One settle after the next. Church, this is the time we don't have to settle any longer. And if this is just for that one person that's watching, I'm so grateful for you, that you would that you would begin to take that one step of faith. That we're not trying to go from where you are to becoming David's with rocks and slings tomorrow. It's just one step. That's all that you need for anything. One step forward. One step to say, God, I haven't been who you've called me to be. I haven't operated in the giftings that you've gifted me with. I haven't given you my all because I've been content and maybe churches have been content with me just giving you a little. Jesus wants your all. He died for you so that you could die to yourself. When, when baptism goes on, it means that you are dead to yourself and alive in Christ. If you want to find life in Christ, let it be so. Let your old self be dead and live the calling that God has called you to live. Don't wait. There's, there's no reason to wait any longer. This world right now has shown us how fragile it is like a thin piece of glass that was over what we called security. It's all crashing down, which gives God and you the perfect opportunity to connect in new and meaningful ways. Would you pray with me? Father, help me to do what you call in your words, put away childish things, to press in, to know you, to find my joy and satisfaction in you. Lord, help us all to read through the Gospels this week and, and just 
read it with the question in mind, Lord, how do you want us to live? Because we have story after story of you living, Lord, and it's and so often we still don't live that way. So often we still, Lord, I still throw myself into these old ways of living. Still prone to anger and rage and gossip and slander. Lord, help us to be a family that looks more and more like you. And when we fall short, help us to have our first reaction be to reach out for your grace and mercy over and over and over again. And then, Lord, help us to be eternal people. Lord, there's so much fear about if we'll get this virus and what will it do, who will it take. Lord, this, this life we're just passing through anyway. And it seems like so many believers have forgotten that we are passerbys. We're, we're just immigrants through this world, Lord. And you, you have a home for us. And the home is not in some future. The home is you right now. And then it's you then. Then it's you in the new Jerusalem. But it's you, Lord. So be our home. Be all that we need. Lord, help us to be loving and wise, protecting and encouraging and gracious and truthful. But help us to do all of that through a lens of our eternal hope that we one day get imperishable bodies. That whether it's this virus or whether it's a car crash or whether it's old age, whether it's some disease in the future, Lord, help us to put our hope in heaven and not our fear and panic in the things of this world that would move us from this life to the next. I know it's difficult, Lord, but I'm praying and asking you to do this. Lord, we pray for the church gatherings that are happening online all, our, all around the world and especially all across the United States. Lord, speak to people through these services. Lord, bless the churches around us. I know that this is a trying time, Lord, for other churches. So we, we pray that you, would, that you would bless Fishhawk Fellowship, that you would bless Grace Methodist, that you would bless Next Level Church, that you would bless the churches in this area around us, Lord, that you would bless Redeemer Presbyterian, Overflow Church, my friends at Sea Glass and Jesus Church. And then, Lord, that you would bless the families that make up churches. Lord, I pray that, that your spirit would drench the homes of each family that's listening right now and that they would have a peace that surpasses understanding. I pray that your spirit would drench the homes of those people who are watching right now, Lord, and that they could have a renewed focus on calling and life to live well with others so that we can die well and be with you forever. Lord, one day, one day, would you speak over us, well done, good and faithful servant, not because of how amazing of a job we have or have not done, but because of how we've desperately gripped onto your grace for us. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.